Tonight, if you got your Bible, if you would, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to look at the first 13 verses, and we're going to launch off of this to a few, uh, few points. of. We're going to look at this title, How God Sees You. You know God's been looking at you today. He's, been, he's aware of what you're doing. He's aware of not only that, he's aware of what you're thinking and what your heart cry is, what your hurts are. God, he sees you. He don't just see certain people. He don't just look at people that's in ministry. He doesn't look just at people that's been in church their whole life. He looks at hearts and lives. That's why people's drawn to tent revivals or whatever. He looks at every single person. He is aware of you. And uh, we, we're going to look at that tonight and just to see how much God is looking at you and what, 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 that, what that means. We're going to look at the first 13 verses, if you got that this, uh, this evening, if you'd stand for the reading of the word. And it says in verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long without mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will shew thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I'm going to just end it right there tonight. The Lord looketh on the heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight and I ask you that you would anoint and speak. And God, let us know that you're not only aware of God where we are today, but you're aware of us for our whole life. And God, every detail and everything that we're going to ever face. You are aware, God, and you love us so much. God, let us know that tonight. Let us be encouraged tonight to know how much you love us and that your eye is upon your people. Almighty God, we thank you for that. Anoint Holy Spirit and speak tonight. Encourage us with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're looking at how God sees you, how God sees you. If you know the rest of this story, you know that who he was looking for was David. Now, why did he, you know, Samuel did what you and I would have done. You know, Eliab was his oldest son. He was probably a powerful looking individual. In fact, the reason Israel was in the spot they were in now is they wanted a king. They no longer wanted Samuel to lead the country. They didn't want the man of God leading. They wanted to be like everybody else and have a king. They wanted that. And when they chose, and finally God gave them what they wanted. You know God will give you what you want sometimes. 
he'll, he tries his best to keep you from getting what you want sometimes because he knows what the damage is going to be. Just like we're saying, he knows everything. But he tries to help you, keep you from getting in these messes. But we sometimes just keep twisting, crying, and pulling around. And finally he says, okay, you want your way? Have it. You, you'll see why you don't need that. And so when they chose out a king, they found the man that was a head and shoulders above everybody else. Big, tall, broad, strong, powerful, warrior man as Saul. And he became their king. He looked the part. They just thought this other kings, kings is going to tremble when they see our king. Look how powerful he is. But when they look at him, they were looking on the outside. And so his sin had the fact that he would not humble himself before God. We find that God said, I reject him. I no longer am going to put my anointing on him. I've chosen myself a king. And he's getting ready to reveal that. So he sends Samuel to anoint uh, uh, one of Jesse's sons as king. Now, Jesse had eight sons. And so he comes to him and he tells him in these verses that you read, come and anoint. Well, they bring, he wants them to bring his sons. He starts from the oldest to the youngest. And the first one that come to him was the oldest. And boy, he looked, this has got to be him. And the Lord said to him, You're, don't, don't you, hey, I've rejected him. Because I look at him different than you look at him. If you're looking on the outside of people, I'm looking at that heart on the inside. God looks at our hearts. You can, have a, you can have someone on the outside that looks frail and weak and timid, and you think that they would be no threat to anybody. But on the inside, God has a prayer warrior that God can do great and mighty things through that life because they've humbled and yielded themselves before God. God's looking at what's on the inside. Thank God. Because as we get older, we get a little more frail on the outside. And, but God says, that's not the way I look at you. And so God's looking at the inside. And we see that, it, and the story rolls out, that it says that he went through all the, there was seven sons there. There was one, you know, I was thinking, how did David feel when he found out that the, all this, one of the sons of David or of Jesse was going to be king, and his dad calls everybody but him. He leaves him out in the field. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the runt. He's out in the field. He's the youngest. He's the least likely to succeed. And we see that he leaves him out in the field. And so the, Saul's looking and, and all these sons pass in front of him, all seven of the other sons. And when he gets through all seven, he says to Jesse, have you still got another son somewhere else? Because God has not told me it's one of these seven. Even though I've seen some good candidates here in my eyes, God said it ain't him. Yes, there's, I got one. Uh, he, I, it's almost like there was a pause. It said, Oh, yeah, I've got one more out in the, I mean, I can't imagine how that felt. I've got one more out in the field. He's, he's a shepherd. He's out there taking care of it. Well, go get him. In fact, he said, we're not going to sit down until he gets here. I don't know how far that field was, but I'm sure he got him hurrying because every one of them had to stand there at attention waiting for him to show up. And when he gets there, God says, there's the man. There's the man. You know why? He looked at the heart. And we know, Scripture tells us that he loved David. Why? His heart. He had a heart after the things of God. A heart after the things of God. So we see here the scripture is telling us that God knows us. And we're going to see that he knows us even before we're born. First thing, God, when he looks at us, we can see that God, what he sees, God sees his plan for your life before you're even born. This, some of these scriptures is amazing to think that God is thinking and planning your life before you're even born. It says in Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14, and it's talking, the psalmist is talking about God. And this is, he's referring to God when he says, For thou hast possessed my reins. We had some reins come in tonight. And the person controlling the reins was controlling the horse. 
And so David here is saying, Lord, you've got my reins. You've got control of my life. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He's saying that, Lord, you knew me before I was even born. You control when I was born. You control when I die. You control every detail of my life. Yes, I can try to fight and pull away from you. But, Lord, ultimately, you're in complete control. I can turn away from what you want me to do. But, God, the very reason I was put in my mother's womb is you timed my life exactly to the second. And, 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 and you're the one that I give grace. Number, verse 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul I knoweth right well. He's, he's, he's saying, Lord, what you do when you form a child, the fact that you're involved in that, and you know it, and you've timed it, and you perfectly set me to the second you wanted me to born. June 21st, 1966, God had my name written down on that moment that he is going to be born. And on your birthday, God knew the moment you're going to be born. And God knew you before you were born. He knew you before. We see he has a plan for your life. And so he's saying, God, you're the one who has full control. We see that God has planned. We see that also God sees your, you know, we have frailty, don't we? God sees even our weaknesses, our frailty before we're even born. Psalms 139, 15 and 16 goes on and says, my substance was not hid from thee. You know what I'm made of. You know every little detail about my life. When I was made in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's, that is symbolism that he's talking about. In before, when I was being formed, the cells were splitting in my mother's womb. And I was being intricately designed and made and formed and growing. You knew me even before then. Lord, you were involved in my life before I'm even born. We see that he says, and, and he's talking about how wondrous it is. Isn't a child, when you, when you see those children, and, and it gets even better sometimes with grandchildren, and you see these children and their little beautiful little dimples and fingernails and toes and the, the little smiles they make, and you're thinking, this is the most perfect. We have never created anything near as perfect as that little child. That, that beautiful thing that God has done to bring forth life in that way. And it's a beautiful thing. And so the psalmist is here is, is saying that, that you are the one that is in control. And he says, my substance was not hid. You know me. When I was made in secret, when I was, before I was born, verse 16 says, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Even before I was done, even before I'm complete, you know what I am going to be. You know, that, that not only does God know you as you're being formed in your, with your mother before your birth, but God knows how we're still being formed. Do you know we're still moving toward uh, 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 being sanctified? We're still moving toward drawing closer to God. God's still working on me. I, I pray that he's still working on you too. That we're still moving toward a, a closer relationship with him. And God sees, even before I'm uh, born, God sees even my weaknesses. And God knows that he's going to have to help me in some areas. He knows things in my life that I'd like to get rid of. Even Paul. We see Paul come to the Lord three times and said, Lord, this, this hindrance that I've got, Lord, this thing's bothering me and I can't do what you want me to do. Lord, would you please take it away from me? And the Lord said to him, I'm not going to take it from you, Paul. 
And he says to you, because in your weakness, I am your strength. Your strength has become perfect through your weakness. It makes my strength make more available to you. And so he says, I know your weakness, Paul. I know what you're going through, but I'm going to be there to make up the hedge whenever you're going through things. And he says, ah, oh, it says that even as you were fashioned, it says in all and in the second half of that verse 16 says, and in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, still working on me, which as yet there was none of them. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, you planned my life out and wrote it down. Before I took my first breath. You know every detail. How awesome is it to come before God when you've got a problem and you say, God, you wrote my life before I even took my first breath. You know every detail of my life. You know everything. You put me together. You have a plan for my life. And Lord, I can trust you because you know everything. You not only know the beginning, but you know the end. And you are faithful all the way. Between the dashes, you are the one that carries me from beginning to end. And so the psalmist here is talking about that God is the one that knows our frailty. He knows our weaknesses. And he loves us. And he still works in us. And he's still forming us. And he's still trying to perfect us. Amen. Number three, we can see that God sees your needs. God sees what you need. He sees what you need, and he sees what I need. And it says in Psalms 33, 18 and 19, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Why? To deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. It's saying that whenever you're going through needs, and it doesn't just mean when you're hungry or when you're, when you're thirsty or when you're fearful, he, God sees every detail of your life, and in those people that's put their confidence and trust in Him, He's saying, my eyes see that. My eyes looking at you. In fact, we see that He even says, hey, how much more important than you are than you of some small bird? I know everything, and I feed those birds. I'm the one that takes care of them. There was a, there was a bird that uh, we was having a little work done in, in our house, and the, they left the front door open to let some air circulate. On, in the front uh, part of the house yesterday, and I went down the steps to get a tool for somebody. And when I went down there, there's a bird flying around in the in the in our basement, and it troubled my wife. I mean, I couldn't catch it, and it, I'd seen kind of went to a certain direction over some paint cans, and, and it, it disappeared. And I thought, well, it'll come out of there, I guess, eventually. So I later I told my wife about it. And she, as soon as I told her about it, she was worried about the bird. <laughs> She's worried about that bird. You need to get that bird. It's going to die down there. And I was like, no, it'll get out. So later that evening, she said, you find the bird? And I said, no. <laughs> so that wasn't good enough. So I had to go find the bird. So I had to go look everywhere. Finally, I pulled the paint cans off the shelf. And he got trapped in behind the paint cans. And it was pinned against the, it was awful. It was a little, I don't know what kind of little bird it was. But it was pinned against the wall behind the paint cans. And I could tell he'd given up hope. I could tell it. In fact, I felt so sorry for it. And so I went and got it. I got a glove, and I was able to reach up. And then it thought I was going to hurt it, but I got it. And it thought it's, it was doom was, was, was sure because it had no strength to really fight me that much. It was flopping. But when I took it outside and I let it go, and it flew away. And, that, and so that bird had mercy. My wife really had the most mercy, but I went and found the, I'm just saying, how, if God has that kind of compassion 
to where he's looking at every little detail and feeding the birds. And then he says, how much better are you than birds? How much, I sent my son to die for you. You think I ain't watching what's going on in your life? You think I don't think you need me? You think I ain't going to be there when you need me? So we see that God knows us before we take our first breath. He knows us. He puts us in exactly the time he wants us. You're not here by some coincidence. You're not here just because, well, it's just because mom and dad, it just happened. No, God is in a, got a divine timing in your life, and he wants to do something in our life. The worst thing you could ever say is I'm a mistake or I have no potential or whatever. No, God forms us just the way we are. If we don't like the way we look, then we, God is who we're blaming. If we don't like the things that we feel like that we could be stronger at, there's things I'd like to be a whole lot better at. There's, there's things, but in each of us, God has given us strengths. God, there's weaknesses that he doesn't need us to work. But God has formed you so that he can use you in your life. And so he knows what your needs are. And he's promised to meet them. Second Chronicles 16.9 says a little about that too. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shew himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He's looking for opportunities to help you. He's looking for those who trust in him. So God sees your needs when you have. So don't be thinking that you're alone. Think that no one cares because no one's called you or whatever. God is aware. God sees your needs. You know what else? God sees you. God sees you forgiven. Isn't it awesome that when we give our heart and life, he looked at me. I know how he, I know when he looked at me uh, uh, when I was about 21, he didn't see the same thing he sees now. He seen I needed to be forgiven, and he drawed me with his Holy Spirit, and I came and repented, and he cleansed me. And now when God looks at me because my faith and your faith is put in him, we know that he sees us forgiven. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When God forgives you of your sins, you remember them. You're going to remember them. There's times I think back and I say, Lord, Help me. I can't imagine. I would love to change that. And other people may remember. Some people may say, hey, I remember what you did to me. I, sometimes I, uh, it amazes me how people uh, hold on to things so long. People will bring up something 30 years later. I remember when you said this. And the people won't forget sometimes. But the good news is the God of the universe, when he looks at us, he doesn't see that sinner anymore. He sees the blood of his son, and he sees us as forgiven. Oh, what a wondrous thing that what God has done for our lives. And God, when he looks at you, if you've given your heart to him, he sees you white as snow. He sees you, and he sees what he is doing and how he wants to continue working in our lives. Amen? Number five, God sees you also. He sees you as chosen. Let me, let me read this verse to you. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 5 says this. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless and without blame before him in love, having this word, 
predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You know what this is saying? You weren't his, you, we were in rebellion to God. We were not His children. We were in rebellion and we were heading to destruction. But when God looked at us, He chose us. Just as someone, if, if, if any of you, I don't know if anybody in the church, there may be adoption that I don't know about. But you know that I know some, some close friends, they adopted a, a son. They adopted a son from another country. And they, and it was very expensive. It was very time consuming. It was very heartbreaking. It had a lot of expense, time, and dedication. But they found a son. And they went to the other side of the world and chose him and stayed and made it all happen and go to courts and all kinds of stuff to bring him back. And now he is their son. He has all the rights of their children. And in fact, law actually gives more rights. You have to put, if it's not changed, people, the children that you adopt have to be put in your will. And so there is more rights to the ones that are adopted. And the wonderful news, you know, we have children and we love our children. And, we, so, and I, so I know we love them and we don't see their flaws even though we know they've got them. But, but we didn't choose them. <laughs> We had them, and they're, oh, it's going to be a boy. Oh, it's going to be a girl. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it turned. Look there, they got black hair, or they got blonde hair, whatever. And, but when you are adopted, someone actually took the time to find you and choose you and to bring you in, and they didn't have to. And so the Word of God is sitting here saying, when I look at you, I see you as chosen by me. Why? Because I wanted you. And it says, according as he hath chosen us in him. When did he choose us? Did he choose you whenever you did good and he watched your life and your heart was perfect? And, oh, well, I think I can use them now. No, look, look this is beautiful. If you get a picture of this. When did God choose you? You're, you're children of God if you've been giving your heart to him. When did he choose? According as he hath chosen us in him. To, he wants us to be his. Before the foundation of of the world. Now, before the foundation of the world, when sin happened and separated, before any of that happened, God knew you and chose you and wanted his son to die for you from the foundation of the world because he wanted you as his. And we see that it brought him joy and pleasure. How do we know that? And it says that he wanted this, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He don't want the, the, the obstacles between us of sin between us and him. He wanted there to be holy. He wanted us to be forgiven. He wanted us to be his children so he could pour and lavish his love on us. Having predestinated. That means predetermining that what he wanted to do for us under the adoption of children. How? Through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. He wanted, it made him happy. It was a good thing he wanted to do for you and me. Thank God. When God sees us, he's seen someone he loved and someone he chose. And so in David's life, we, we look at where we kind of launched off from here from a minute ago. And we see him. And he was someone that from the beginning, he was from the worldly standards. He may have not have been, he may have been a little smaller stature. 
it says that when he came, it says that he had a ruddy complexion. Verse 12 says, and he sent and brought him in, and he, now he was ruddy. You know what ruddy means? He had a red complexion. It's the word that was used talking about Esau. You know when it says Esau was red? It's the same word. It says he was ruddy. And with all the beautiful countenance, the actual original Hebrew says he had fair eyes. He had beautiful eyes. And, and goodly to look at. He was, a, he, was a, he was a cute kid. He was a small, probably statured, cute kid. And no one else seen potential. But when God seen him, he said, that boy right there, before he was born, I had a plan on his life. And that's the one I choose. Isn't it awesome that God chooses you? And me. And it, we sometimes we say, well, God can't do any. No, God can do more than we allow him to do sometimes. Sometimes we sell ourselves short. We say, I can't do anything. I, I don't have any capability. No, that's exactly where you got to get where God can use you. Because when you can't do it, he can. When you look at your strengths, that's God says, hey, you bring me that big strong guy. And he told, he got on to the man of God. He got on to Sam. Don't you look at these people through eyes, your eyes. You need to start looking the way I look at people. I look at the heart. And I see something I can use in that boy. And even though he made some horrendous mistakes all through his life, even to the very end, he loved God more than anything else. And so God has got his eyes upon you, and he's got plans for your life. God already wrote your life. God already. You know what's so awesome? I wish I could get a copy of it. Well, maybe we wouldn't. It might be over tomorrow. But I, when we look at it, it'd be nice to see it. But you know what? Sometimes if we were to see that what God wrote. See, God wrote a love story to you before you were born. And God wrote, here's what I want to do in their life. Here's the blessings I want to pour. If they'll follow me, here's exactly the way it will be. Here's the decisions they're going to make and how I'm going to bless their life. And God plans out our lives. The question is, do we follow what he wants? Do we do what he wants? Do we obey what he wants? Or do we say, I want my way? So many times we realize and we, we get selfish sometimes. But God loves us so much to think, in closing, to think that a holy God who could speak universes into existence, a holy God that has all power, is so concerned with you. One verse I, I forgot to put in here talks about that it's countless how many times God thinks of you almost on a daily basis. God is thinking of you over and over and over again. He's thinking, he's looking, he's aware, and he's got a, he's got a purpose for your life. And we want him to have his purpose, don't we? We, do. we want him to have his way. I want him to be pleased. I know there's so much more I could do. I know there's so many flaws that I've got. Lord, please keep working me. I know that you're not done yet. I know in your lives God's not done yet. And so we want God to accomplish what he wants to do, and it comes from surrender. God, let me see you look in my heart and find a heart that loves you. Let you see my heart and let it be a heart that you can use and you, you all the same. Amen. God wants to have his way in our life. Amen. Let's stand tonight and let's, let's just thank the Lord and just, and just offer ourselves to him as we dismiss. Offer yourself tonight to him and let him have his way in our heart and lives. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you that you look upon us. Thank you that, God, you are contemplating us. Lord, that, God, there's never a situation that you're not aware. God, you know our thoughts before we think them. 
You know the words before we speak them. You know the situation of tomorrow and every day of our life. And God, you're involved in our life. You love us, God. You're working, God. Lord, let us surrender our hearts to you that, God, we would be a heart that would love you and surrender to you. And, God, that you would be able to move. God, move us forward. Move us closer, almighty God. And that, Lord, that you would be able to have your way, God. Lord, that we would see that you love us so much. And, God, not be discouraged but encouraged. Because you've got our life right in your hands, almighty God. And Lord, every detail you have worked in our life. We trust in you, Lord. We don't trust in our strength. We don't trust in anybody else. We trust only in you. And Lord, you've never failed and you never will, God. And we thank you for that, Lord, because you're so faithful. Almighty God, Lord, we praise you tonight. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him one more time as we dismiss. Heavenly God, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That God, you know me. And God, even though I'm a Lord, I have so much, God, more you can do. Thank you, Lord, that you look at me with love. And you look at me with compassion. And you look at me, Lord, with hope. And God, I thank you for that. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you, Lord, for...